Oh, man, thank you, Marvin. Sweet. Well, uh, those of you out in the foyer area, come on, come on back in. Don't don't miss out on the goodness. Alrighty, I'm gonna um, I'm just gonna pray for us, and then we'll um, we'll dig into the word together today. I'm I'm excited. Lord, thank you so much for um, for being a God who speaks. Thank you, God, that you are near to us. You're present with us. You want to communicate with us. Uh, we thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, we invite you today to do what Jesus said you would do. We ask that you would lead us into all truth, that you would remind us of the things that Jesus said, and that you would take from the things that belong to Jesus, take the thoughts and emotions of Jesus and communicate them to us. I ask that as we, as we look at your word today, God, that you would speak to us, make things personal, make things relevant. Regardless of the words that I say, I ask that you would speak to each person in this room the things that you want to say to them. Amen. Awesome. Well, um, I'm excited today. We're uh, continuing in our series in the book of Revelation. Our series called The Coming of the Son of Man. Um, and uh, before we dig in, we're going to be in chapters 12 through 14 today. So if you want to open your Bible up to Revelation chapter 12, that's where we'll be starting. And um, before I jump into that, I was, I was just praying this morning and asking the Lord, um, you know, what do you want to say to people through this? What do you want people to know through this today? Because the book of Revelation talks about many things. It's, um, the primary theme is revealing the beauty of Jesus. But all of the events that are talked about in the book of Revelation, basically all of them, um, just about everybody would agree, are still in the future. And so if we're talking about things, maybe they happen in our lifetime, but maybe they you know, happen a long time from now, you know, what is the relevance of that to us today? So, um, so just asking the Lord, as we're, as we're looking at your word today, what, what are the things that you want us to know? What are the things that, that we should be taking away from this today as far as how we live today? And, um, and I felt like he just spoke some cool things to me. And so I want to share them with you. So I felt like he said, I want people to know that I'm good. I'm in control and I'm coming back. I felt like he wanted to encourage us to remember that he's good, he's in control, and he's coming back. And so if you don't hear anything else that I say, um, just take that, and that's good. And you can, you can actually take that right now and go, and you, you've got all the big ideas. So he's good, he's in control, he's coming back. And then I felt like he asked this question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about this reality? That he's good, he's in control, and he's coming back. What, what will you do with that? What will be your response to that today? So that's, that's the big idea right there. That's the punchline. That's, that's everything. Um, and uh, so in, in the book of Revelation, you know, it's talking about God coming back. And, um, and I think it's important to know not just that he's coming, but why is he coming back? Like, he doesn't need to be here. He's somewhere else right now um, and, and could be anywhere that he wants to be. He can do anything that he wants to do. He's in charge. When you're in charge, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, so why is he coming back? And um, just thinking about that this morning, like, the big idea is, like, he's coming back because he desperately loves us and wants to be with us. That's so good. The God of the universe desperately loves you and wants to be with you. He's like, I, I want to be with you where you are. It's true that God can live in us by his spirit right now, but it's not the same as having him physically here with us. 
And, uh, and so he's like, that's what I want. I want us together. And he's like, I don't just want to be able to communicate with you. I want us together in the same place. That's, that's what I really want. And he wants to bring a kingdom on the earth. I, I know many of us care about um, issues of justice, issues of, of uh, things being good and right in the earth. There's a lot that's messed up. There's a lot that's not the way that it was ever supposed to be. Um, regardless of who you are, regardless of your demographic, your stage of life, you probably um, have things that you experience that are like this, this, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem like the way that it should be. And maybe, you know, maybe uh, you feel totally at peace with everyone else around you and all of your circumstances, but if nothing else, like our bodies are falling apart. It wasn't ever supposed to be that way. And God wants to bring a kingdom on the earth and he wants to make the wrong things right. He, he wants to come back because he desperately loves us and wants to be with us. And he wants to bring the best kingdom on the earth. He wants to make the wrong things right. He wants to overthrow the devil and he wants to remove everything. I heard a, a, a pastor say it this way. He wants to remove everything in the world that hinders love. That's, that, that's what he's up to. And, uh, and, and, and when he comes back, this is so cool. In the Bible, it says that Jesus, Jesus is a bridegroom. The son of God is a bridegroom and he's coming back for a bride. So he's, he's looking to, to not just have subjects, like think of, you know, like ancient Rome or Greece or, you know, one of the different like world powers at the time that would go and, and you know, conquer different places. And even if people liked the, the new power that came in, like maybe you were in a country and you had no infrastructure and you had, you know, everything was really rough. And the, you know, best case scenario, this other power comes in, you're like, yeah, our standard of living is better. There's, you know, better commerce, there's better infrastructure, there's all that stuff. But still the one in charge is just, just a ruler who's somewhere far away and you're a subject. And that's not what God wants. He, he wants friends and he wants a bride. That's, that's what he's after. And so where we fall in all of this story, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to marry his bride. Where we fall in all of this is um, a lot of times we maybe feel like we're not significant, like we're not, um, we're not a, we can feel like we're not an integral part of the story of what's playing out. Like it feels like you're an extra in the, in the, the movie of life that's playing out. But actually like you, you are the thing that's valuable. You are the main character. You, you, if you're a guy, maybe this feels weird, but you are the love interest. Um, and so there's actually the most epic battle of all time for you, for, for your heart. That's, that's what's going down, that's what's always been going down, is who and what will have your affections? Who, who will have your devotion? Who will have all that you are? That's, that's what's going on. There's a, there's a battle for that. That's what's at stake, is you, you and me. Who's, who's going to win us? Who's gonna get us? There's, there's no one who will be neutral. Everyone will land somewhere. So, um, so as we're digging into this today, I want to encourage you that someone's going to get your affections. God is good. You want him to have your affections. He's, he's the best. God is the best king, and he's going to be king. That part's already decided. You want him to be your king. And so he is good. He's in control, and he's coming back. And what do you want to do about that?
All right, I think that's all I need to say to set this up. Um, okay, so we're going to jump into the book of Revelation. We're going to be starting in chapter 12. A quick review, I know we've had a lot of folks who have been, been out with vacations and stuff like that. Um, so there's so much in the book of Revelation, but the some of the big ideas, um, uh, starting in chapter 5, it talked about how God the Father has a plan to transition this world from this age to the age to come, to bring the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. Um, and, and there's only one person who's worthy to execute that plan. There's only one person who could do it right. Um, and that person is Jesus. And the reason why is because he gave his life to purchase people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He, with his own blood, um, purchased people. He is the servant of all, and that's why we want him in charge. Because he's, he's not, he's not self-seeking even a little bit. He's the kind of person that you want in charge. He's someone who will always have your best interest in mind no matter what. Those are the kinds of policies he will enact. Um, there's no people group that he doesn't care about. There's no demographic that doesn't matter to him. He cares about all of it. And when he has all the power and authority, um, like he's in control right now, but when he has his kingdom here on the earth, he will do the exact same things that he did when he was here the first time. He, he will remove everything that hinders love first. But when he's sitting on the throne, he will do the exact same things that he did when he was here the first time, which is serve everyone. He got down and washed his disciples' dirty feet. That's what he did. That's what he will do for all of eternity. He is, he's the guy you want in charge. That's, that's why he's worthy. And he's the only one who's worthy to do it. So he was chosen to, to enact this plan, to bring, to, to transition us from this age to the age to come. And as we've been reading through the book of Revelation, we've been seeing some of these intense things unfold to get, to get the world ready to, to transition us from here to there. And so those are the, the seals and the trumpets that we've heard about if you were here. Um, if you haven't been, go read it. It's so good. And um, it's, it's similar to the story of the Exodus with Moses and Pharaoh, you know, the let my people go. And, um, and Pharaoh's like, no. And he's like, make me. And God's like, okay. And so, <laughs> and so there's all these judgments that God poured out on, on Egypt, um, starting with little things and then getting more and more intense, being kind to gently turn up the heat to, to say, you know, you, it doesn't have to go down this way. You don't have to resist me, but I do want you to let my people go. And in a similar way, um, in, in the book of Revelation, in, in the future, God is going to, um, as the Antichrist kingdom is established on the earth, God is going to pour out his judgments on that kingdom and, and to wake up the world and to give people as much opportunity as possible to choose him over, over this wicked and evil kingdom that will exist on the earth. And um, yeah, and it'll be very similar to the book of, to the book of Exodus. Um, so that's kind of what's happened. We're jumping in in, in chapter 12. Um, a verse that I think is really helpful as we dig into this, um, Proverbs 25 verse 2 says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And the idea is that in the book of Revelation, um, there's some there's some figurative language. There's some some things that can sometimes feel um, confusing to us. I, I don't think it actually is confusing, but it can get a bad rap. 
And I want to encourage you um, with this with this book, but as in regard to the entire Bible, um, God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. I heard someone say that recently. I was like, oh, that's so good. Um, there, there's a treasure hunt for you here. You're, you're not going to get all the stuff today. I don't have time to tell you all the things that are in here today, but there's so much that God wants to show you revealing who he is as well as laying out, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what's happening in the future. So I want to encourage you, go in with that posture. And as we, as we look at this, there's some different, some different signs, some different figurative language that's used. Um, not all of them are explained. I'm not going to explain all of them. I'm going to explain just a couple. But there's, there's a few pretty clear ones that are laid out. Um, and in, in much of the Bible and in the book of Revelation, some of the things that can feel... Um, that, that we feel like we're supposed to be intimidated by or not understand, there's almost always a handhold to grab onto. There's almost always a place to begin with conversation with the Lord. And instead of looking at the things that we don't understand and being like, well, I don't get it. This is, this is too confusing. This is too hard. Instead, I feel like the Lord would want to invite us in. If, if you're someone who's familiar with the book of Revelation and you're like, no, I, I want to understand some of this stuff. Instead of looking at the things you don't get and being offended by those, thank the Lord for the things you do get and start with conversation with him there and let him show you more. Okay, so we're going to dig into this. I'm um, done intro and we're jumping into chapter 12, verse 1. So I'm going to read and explain a little bit and that's what we're going to do. Um, and Annie will be in the NIV today. Um, I think that might be the default one on there. But Okay, so uh, Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says, oh, there's, there's three signs I'm going to give for you here. So there's, there's three, three characters that are helpful to know about. There's a woman. The woman is Israel. There's a dragon. You can probably guess who the dragon is. The dragon is Satan. Um, and, uh, and then dragons are usually bad guys, just usually, just a hint for you. And then in any story. And, <laughs> and, then, um, and then there's a male child who is Jesus. Okay? So the woman is Israel, the dragon is Satan, and the male child is Jesus. Those are the characters. I'll show you where we got that, but that's just helpful to know going in. Okay. Um, a, starting in verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. So that's, that's Israel. Um, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Doesn't he just sound like a bad guy? It's just, it's just not even confusing. It's just straightforward. Um, she gave birth to a son, a male child. There's the third, the third sign. Who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. So that's a, actually a quote from Psalm 2 about Jesus. Jesus will rule all of the nations of the earth. So we know the, the male child is Jesus. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, see, there it is, the devil, um, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So this is, this is super important right here. 
So there's this conflict, conflict in the heavenly realm. I don't even know how all that works exactly, but there's this conflict between uh, Michael the angel and uh, Michael the archangel and the devil and his angels, and they're fighting. And it says, um, in verse 8, it says, but he was not strong enough. The devil was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven, and he was hurled down. And so it's, it's so important for us to know that we're, this, this gives us a lot of helpful information as we hear about this. Remember, there's this battle for, for our souls, for who will get our affections. Um, the two sides are not equal. There's Jesus who's, who's wanting to win our hearts, and then there's the devil who's significantly weaker, smaller, um, less powerful. And in this conflict, it wasn't even Jesus fighting against him. It was one of Jesus' employees. He's like, hey, go take care of this. Um, that's just, just so you understand what's, what's going on here. So, um, so the devil is hurled down to the earth and his angels with him, they lost, they lost the fight. So he's, he's defeated, he's lost his place in heaven. Um, he's in the process of losing as these next events play out that we're gonna read about here. So he gets hurled down in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And that sounds like a good thing. God's, God's kingdom and authority coming on the earth. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Okay, so this is important. As we're, as we're about to see some of the things that are going to unfold on the earth, the devil has been hurled down. Why? Because he wasn't strong enough to keep his position of authority and power in the heavenly realm. He was thrown down to the earth against his will. He didn't want to come here, but that, that happened because he's in the process of losing. And he even knows, in verse 12, it says, he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. That's so important for us to know that as these events unfold, that he knows that he's losing. He's like desperately trying to, to drag it out as long as he can, but he knows that he's losing. He's, as, as we see more of his activity here on the earth, it's important for us to know that, that he's, he will be less powerful to influence the world overall than he ever has been in history. That's an important, important shift because we'll see more of him. And so we'll, it'll look like, and he'll want everyone to think, he's getting more powerful, something's going wrong, something bad is happening. But actually, the opposite is happening. He, we'll see his activity here because he's confined here. He lost his place. He lost his influence in the heavenly realm. Him and his angels are all here, will all be here on the earth. This is a good thing. They're in the process of losing because God is in control. He's more powerful. All right, that's important for us to know as this, as this goes down because it's going to look scary for a minute. Um, and, if, and if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, there's some intense sounding things in there. It's important that we know and remember as those things are going down. It's because God is in control. Satan is losing. And God already told us it was going to happen. Like no, none of it's going off the rails. None of it is, is things going wrong. He's like, this is actually how it's going to go down. He already knows. We already know. This is, this is so good. Okay, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So he's going after Israel. He wants to persecute Israel. 
the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of, its, out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So the enemy, the devil gets hurled down to the earth. The first thing he does is he goes to, to, um, to pursue uh, Israel and God intervenes and protects Israel. And Satan's even more mad. He was already mad. Now he's more mad. Um, and so he goes to make war against the rest of her offspring. And it says, that's those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So that's the rest of the believers on the earth. That's, that's you and me. So that's, that's the bad news. That's basically the extent of the bad news right there. Is he's, he doesn't like it, and so he's going to come after us. Um, that's, that's something that's going to happen in the story. Okay, chapter 13, I'm actually just going to summarize what happens in a couple quick points because there's so much here, but please go read it for yourself. Um, but basically, uh, Satan is on the earth. He's on the earth, remember, because he lost his place in heaven. He wasn't powerful enough. He's stuck here. He's like an exile, um, and he knows that his time is short. And so that's the context for these things that happen. So as he's desperately making his last attempts, as he knows that his time is just about done, there's a few things that he does. So he gives his power to a man um, who's referred to as the beast or the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. There's a man that he's going to give all of his supernatural power to, um, to, to establish a ruler on the earth. Um, sounds crazy, sounds epic. It is, but it's true. Um, he's going to do this. There's going to be a world leader that's raised up. He's going to have a governmental system. He's going to ha- th- there's this a second beast that's referred to, um, also known as the false prophet. It's kind of like the Antichrist sidekick. That's how I like to think of him. Um, the two of them are they're going to they're going to be in cahoots together. They're going to be working together, um, and uh, they're going to do some crazy stuff on the earth. But they're only going to have authority. They're going to have authority over all the nations of the earth, but only for three and a half years. It says forty-two months. Um, to be exact. And so while they're in charge, they're going to do three things. They're going to rule the nations of the earth. They're going to persecute the people of God. um, And they're going to perform great signs, signs and wonders, supernatural crazy stuff, um, to deceive the nations and convince them to pledge their allegiance to them instead of God. Like that's going to be their whole campaign is Jesus is a loser. You don't want anything to do with him. You want to be with us. That, I, that's, I mean, basically what it says in the Greek is that right there. So that's, that's what's going to be happening during those three and a half years. And he's going to force people, um, and th- they're going to try and woo people at first, but then force them that um, you have to, you have to um, take a mark. You have to pledge your allegiance. It won't be something that happens accidentally, but, but it will be a thing that happens. Um, you will have to pledge your allegiance to him if you want to be able to buy or sell. Um, so that's something that's going to go down. And so during those three and a half years, um, things are, are going to be intense. But it's important that we know those intense things are not any of the things that God was doing. All of his judgments are being poured out against the Antichrist kingdom, like God pouring out his judgments against Pharaoh in Egypt. 
during that time, Pharaoh was like, okay, you guys go make bricks without straw. So he was being hard on the people of Israel, but everything God was doing was, a, was against the wicked, the wicked king Pharaoh. Same thing in this scenario. Everything God is doing will be against the Antichrist kingdom. In that context, as the Antichrist, or as the devil is desperately trying to maintain power as he's losing, he, um, he sets up this kingdom and he's going to be trying to force people to pledge their allegiance to him. Um, and, and it will be intense, but there's good news. And for, the, for those of you who this is like newer to you, you don't have to pay attention to this. But for any of you who are like, I, I knew all this and I'm actually concerned about this persecution business. How does that work? Um, so the good news is, and, and I heard someone point this out and I was like, oh, that's so insightful. That's so helpful. Um, it'll only be three and a half years long. Like, there will, there may be people, even maybe you have thought about it, um, like, you know, as you think about the events that will happen at that time in history of like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard, and, and it could be, you know, who knows how long, and, well, actually, we do know how long. It's only, it's only three and a half years. The, the hardest time in human history to be alive will only be three and a half years, um, a shorter amount of time than it takes to finish high school or get a college degree. Um, <laughs> um Seriously, it's not, it's not going to be that long. It'll be intense, but it's not going to be that long. Um, and God is, God is faithful. He knows what we can handle. And, and, um, and I'll just throw this out there too. That I, I heard a, a pastor share this, and I thought this was so helpful because the, the idea of, um, there's the idea of like martyrdom and just some intense things that may happen where he's like, okay, so, so let's say, you know, worst case scenario, you have, you know, you're, you're concerned about, like, you know, your loved ones. What if, you know, your loved ones lost their lives or something like that? He's like, it's not, it's not like when a loved one dies right now where, like, we know we'll see them again, but, like, we may have to live out the rest of our lives without them, and that's hard, and that's sad. Uh, like, we know we'll see them again. We know we'll be with them in heaven, you know, if they have given their lives to Jesus, but, but we don't know how long that's going to be, and that's, that's hard and sad. And he's like, no, think about it like this. Like, if, if, you know, someone that you knew um, was taken to an all-expense-paid amazing resort on the other side of the world um, for, like, a couple years, and you, got, and you knew you were going to be with him there really soon. He's like, that's, that's what it's going to be like. Anybody that, that, that dies, it'll be like, I'm going to see you in, like, a year or two. Like, that's, that, that's, that's literally the scenario. Um, and it's so, and that's not to say that, that we shouldn't take seriously the hard things that are going to happen, but I think it's important for us to know it will be short. Um, and also, like, we're going to be together again really soon after that. It's, it's going to be a crazy but really awesome time in history, like no time that's existed before. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to get off on that too much, but it's, I think it's important for us to have that as we think about some of the intense things that will happen. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna skip to chapter fourteen. This is this is so cool. So um, the Satan gets kicked out of heaven. He does his worst on the earth, but even his worst, Jesus is like, I already decided exactly what you're gonna be allowed to do, and he does it. But he like feels powerful. He's like, I'm doing my worst. I'm setting up this world government and all these these crazy things. So there's there's um, the dragon is on the earth, and then there's a beast, and there's another beast, and there's all this stuff. And then in chapter fourteen. This is so epic. This is like, um, have any of you guys seen the first Thor movie? The fir- okay, a couple people. Cindy, you need to go watch it, okay? That's your homework. You need to go watch it. There's this epic, there's this epic scene at the beginning of it where there's, there's all these different, there's, there's all these different um, 
like kind of like alien godlike races of people doing battle in the universe and stuff. And so these bad guys, the frost giants, they come down to planet Earth and they're they're like wreaking havoc everywhere and destroying everything. And it's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? It's so bad right now. Um, and it looks, there's people, you know, running away and screaming and bad things are happening. And there's this epic moment. I wanted to actually show this clip and Jesse didn't seem too crazy about it, so I'm not showing it. But, um, <laughs> but, there, but there's this sweet idol, right? Um, you can file a formal complaint to Jesse about that. So, so anyway, we, <laughs> there's this, there's this, this epic moment where there's, there's all, it looks so dark, it looks so hopeless, and all of a sudden, all the, the good guys show up. So the, the Asgardians, they're the good ones. That's the people that Thor is from. Erica's laughing at me. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so they, they all show up, and, and so they're, they look all epic, and they're this huge, huge army, and it's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, the good guys are here. And there's this big battle, and it's close, but the, the Asgardians overthrow the bad guys, the frost giants, they drive them back out of Earth, and everything ends up being okay. So there's that moment of, like, we see the enemy doing their worst, and all of a sudden, then the good guys show up. And so that's what, where we are in the story right now, going into chapter 14, except the difference is, it's, remember, it's not a close fight. Jesus wasn't even involved in the battle in heaven, but Jesus is on the Earth this time, like, this is going to be intense. So here's what happens. So the bad guys have done their worst in chapter chapter 13. The frost giants are trying to destroy the world, and it's terrible. The Antichrist frost giants. And, um, <laughs> and so chapter 14, verse 1. So John sees all of that. And then he says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, that's Jesus, standing on Mount Zion. Right? So like we've seen the enemy do their worst, and all of a sudden, Jesus drops down. Um, and the, I, see the, the, I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000. He's got, his, he's got his, his boys with him. And, uh, and the, the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, and I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of, the har- of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn, this is just epic, no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women for they remained virgins. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So there's this epic moment, like the devil has done his worst. And Jesus shows up with human beings with him. That's so awesome that like human beings get to be part of this. And, and the thing that they're doing, like they're not like fighting. They're singing a song. Like worship is what's happening. Like they're worshiping the Lord. This ultimate showdown happens and it's not even close. Like, they, like it's not even a fight. Um, they, they show up. Jesus has this epic victory, which we'll, we'll see more of that later in the book. Um, but it's sweet that humans are part of it. Like, and, and it's interesting, like the lamb shows up and the, you don't even hear about the lamb doing anything. He just shows up and, and we're worshiping and, and, and that's how the, the conflict goes down. It's crazy. Um, and so, um, and then it, it kind of like rewinds just a little bit chronologically. There's a couple quick things here, and then we'll we'll um, we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, so uh, the next thing that John sees is there's three angels 
there's like these three like messengers that like go and, de- and declare three different messages to the whole world. And this is so cool that, that he does this, just more of seeing how good God is. The first one is there's an angel who declares the gospel to every single person on the planet. And I don't, I don't know if these are literal angels doing that or if it's like people doing it or how all that works exactly, but basically every single person on the planet will hear the good news that, that, that Jesus has given his life for you. He's made a way, um, he's made a way and like this is what you want to do. Worship God. This is the side you want to choose. Every single person on the planet will have that made as clear as day to them um, in that time in history. Nobody's going to be in the dark. Nobody's going to be in some tribe somewhere that didn't hear about it, didn't get the memo because they don't have technology or something. Like, everyone will know. No, no one will miss it. God will make sure that everyone knows because he's so incredibly gracious. And he, he is not willing that anyone should perish. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. He desperately loves us, remember? He won't force anyone, but everyone will have the opportunity. Everyone will get a fair shot because he's good. Second thing, um, there's another one that announces that the enemy's kingdom, um, which is referred to as Babylon the Great, will be destroyed. Kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible was destroyed, and the people were warned about it. Like, they were given a chance. They're like, God's going to destroy the city because there's incredible wickedness here, but you can leave. You don't have to stay. You can flee the coming judgment. Or like when Noah was building the ark, and he like told everybody, he's like, you can come with me. You don't have to be here in the flood. No one was forced, but everyone's like, you're an idiot, you're crazy, we're not going with you. Um, so, so many people won't listen, but everyone will know. Everyone will know this judgment is coming on what the enemy is doing on the earth. And, and you want to get out of it. You don't want to be part of this. And then the third thing, just if the first two weren't enough, um, there will be a third one warning everyone on the planet. Again, everyone will hear these. It's so helpful to know. Um, warning everyone, don't take the mark. Don't give your allegiance to the Antichrist because you will suffer the same fate as him if you do. If you throw in your lot with him, you will end up in hell for all of eternity. You don't want to go there. He's not the guy you want. He's not good. You do not want to be with him. So God is so kind. He's going to make the gospel clear to everyone. He's going to warn everyone, judgment is coming. Get out. Get out of, of, this, of this terrible kingdom that the, that the Antichrist has built. And, and then a final warning, and if you don't, here's the consequence that will come. You'll end up in the same fate as him. God is so good. Is, is he not? And all the time, God is good. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so last, last thing here. Um, then we'll bring this to a close. Um, so af- after that happens, we're hopping down to uh, verse 14 of chapter 14. John says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated in the cloud was one like a son of man. That's Jesus. Um, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. So this is God um, uh, rapturing or um, pulling all of his people out. All of, uh, all of the Lord's people, all who have given their lives to him, will be pulled out together. There's tons of other verses in the Bible that talk about this, but this is the moment in time where that happens. We get pulled out, and then 
Verse 17, another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charged the fire from the altar and called, uh, came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who was him who had the sharp sickle, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Um, so crazy intense stuff happens here, but the big thing to know is we get pulled out, just like when the Israelites were going through the Red Sea and the Egyptians were following them, God made sure all the Israelites were out before he let the waters go back and destroy their armies. Um, and, um, and so in the same way, God is going to pour out judgments on the Antichrist kingdom while we're here, but he's going to pull us out before he unleashes total destruction. He'll, he'll have warned everyone on the, on the earth, everyone you know, will have the chance to pledge their allegiance to the devil or to Jesus, the, all of those who are like, we don't want you. We don't want to be with you. He's like, okay, if you don't want to be with me, this is what being apart from me looks like. Um, you, I don't want this for you. You don't have to have it, but you are allowed to choose it because I won't force you. Um, and so he will pour out his wrath on the earth and completely destroy um, everything that hinders love. And that's what he's going to do. It's, it's crazy intense, but it's awesome and it's good. Um, Marvin, could you go grab Jesse for us? Awesome. Um, okay, so ton of stuff that we've talked about today, um, but I want to bring us back to those, those big ideas. God is really good. He's in control, and he's coming back. Those are the big ideas out of all of these events that we looked at. Those are the things to take away from this. We saw that God is kind to even people who hate him and want nothing to do with him. He's like, I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance to see that I love you and to turn back to me. It's not too late. Um, and, and he's like, and I want you to be fully aware of everything that you're saying yes to if you don't want to be with me. I want you to know how terrible it will be and that you'll have chosen it because you, you wanted to. That's, he, he's, he's so incredibly good. He's in control. He's more powerful than anybody else. He, he is the ultimate supreme power. Um, he he's, has ultimate authority, and he's not corrupted by it. People say ultimate power corrupts ultimately, not with Jesus. Um, he's uncorruptible. He's so good, and he is coming back. That's where all of this is going. God is impossibly good. He's the servant of all. He, um, he loves his enemies. He prays for those who persecute him. He washes the feet of others. He's a servant. He's, he's so selfless. He is, he's the one that you want. He's impossibly good. And he will be victorious in this conflict. He, he is going to win. He's, he's going to be the one who rules on the earth. Um, and as, as he comes back for a bride, that he wants to, wants to rule with him. He wants to give a kingdom to. Um, we get to decide who will have our affections, who will have us, as there is this, this conflict, this epic struggle for us because we are impossibly valuable. The devil doesn't want you to know that, but you are. So good. You are so much more valuable than you know. And so here's, so here's kind of the, the, two, the two responses. So what are we going to do about this? There's two scriptures I want to read for you, and then we'll give you just a quick second to respond, and then we'll call it good for today. Um, uh, for those of us, those of you joining online, or if you're here in the room and you and you know, and the verdict is out on where your affections will end, on who will get you, 
um, I want to read to you a segment from Psalm 2 as, um, that's, that's speaking to people who, who have not yet made their choice. And this is something that, that King David wrote. Um, and, and he's like, this is in light of what's coming, in light of where all of this is going, here's what I would counsel you to do. This is the advice I would give you. He says, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's so much here. There's like 10 messages in this, this two verses here, 11 and 12 from Psalm 2. But the big idea is in light of what's coming, in light of where all of this is going, David the Lord, and myself, the three of us together, would all encourage you. you <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> Me and the Lord, not David. He wasn't on the conversation, but, I, but he would agree because he wrote this. Um, you, want, you want to pledge your allegiance to the Lord. So if the verdict is out for you, this, this is where you want to land. For folks joining online, maybe you're hearing this a year from now and you just happen to come across it. Um, you want to give your allegiance to the Lord. You're the one, or he, he's the one that you want to have your heart and have your affections. And, and maybe you've made that choice already, but it, this is a good time to re-up, to say, I'm still, I'm still in this. I still want to be with you. I still want you to be, to be my king, even though it's costly, even though it's challenging, I want this still. I still want you to be in charge. Okay, so that's, that's advice for that decision. And if you have pledged your allegiance to him, and you're like, okay, so I'm in, I'm, I'm all in, but, but what, what for me now, for the rest of my life, and for people living between now and the return of Jesus, there's a really sweet verse in um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. So there's a whole passage right before this where Paul talks about the second coming of Jesus. He talks about the rapture. He's reminding, um, he's reminding all, of, all of the Corinthians and us um, through this letter. He's reminding us where all this is going. He's like, he's like I'm, I'm going to tell you this mystery. We're going to be raised. People who have died are going to raise people who are alive right now. We're just going to be caught up with the Lord in the air. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to be rewarded. We're going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. It's going to be sweet. So he tells them all of that. And so he's like, so in light of that, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So if the, if the decision's made already, if you know where your allegiance is, if you're like, yep, I got that, I'm in. I said I do, I'm, I'm there. What do I do now? Set your mind on this. This is where history is going. I heard Francis Chan say this, uh, or I read it in a book that he wrote, and I was really just struck by this. He's like, most people spend their entire life trying to make the last 10 years of this life the best that it possibly can be. That's not an anti-save for retirement thing. It's just, it's just a thing. Like we, We're like, I gotta make this the best portion of my existence. And he's like, and a lot of people give me a hard time about spending all of this life focusing on the first 10,000 years of my existence in eternity right? Like that's, that's where all of it's going. We forget sometimes it doesn't always feel pressing and relevant to us, but it's true. That's where all of history is going. That's what all of this is about. It's not about, it's not about your best life now. I, there's a Francis Chin message I heard called your best life later, <laughs> which is so good. Um, I'm all about things being good now, but, but right now is not really what it's all about. 
right now is short, right now is fleeting, right now is honestly the hardest and worst part of your existence. Just all there is to it. Um, so whether you live during the three and a half years of, of tribulation and persecution, or you don't see that and you just get to deal with all the other challenges of life and effects of being in a fallen world, this is the hardest and worst part of your existence, but it's short. And it's unto something far greater. It's unto something eternal. And so uh, the Lord would encourage us to put our minds on where all of this is going. To be more mindful of that than this because that is more weighty than this. That's more significant, much longer, much, you're gonna, be, you're gonna wish, like when, <laughs> after you've died, after Jesus has come back, and you see all of it, you, like even people who have lived so heavenly minded, so thinking about that, are gonna be like, oh, if I only knew. Like Francis Chan, who's probably one of the most like all about it people that I've like heard talk about this, he's going to be like, I had no idea how significant all of that was, how weighty that was in comparison to this. So stand firm. And the way that we, the way that we stand firm is by setting our mind on where this is going. All of history is going somewhere really good. We are going to be rewarded for every choice that we made right now. Every cup of cold water you give, everything you do motivated by love, God will remember and reward you forever for them. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. So we're just going to take a quick second to pray. Um, and then we're going to wrap things up. So if you guys could just stand. Yeah, I just want to encourage you, just close your eyes where you are. Um, it doesn't change anything. It's just helpful in tuning out distractions. Um, if you have not yet pledge your allegiance to Jesus and you want to. If you want to receive his righteousness, um, if you're aware, as I am, that I am not good enough on my own, I don't deserve anything good. I'm not a good person apart from the Lord. Um, and you want him to be in charge. Or if you've made that choice and you just want to re-up, re if you want to renew your vows, um, let's just take a second and do that. So I want to encourage you, um, just, you can do it out loud, you can do it silently, but, um, but just say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I don't like my life apart from you. I'm not a good person apart from you, Lord. There's no one else that I want to have all of me but you. Would you be Lord again or for the first time? Would you be Lord of everything? Would you be in charge of me? Would you have all of me? And would you make me new? Even if you've been a believer for years and years and years, there's more work for the Lord to do. Invite him to do it. God, would you do that work? Would you continue to form me into the image of Jesus? Would you have your way in me? Would you be my king? And if you've already made that decision, you're like, what do I do in the meantime between now and when I die or when Jesus comes back? Lord, we ask that you would fix our minds on eternity. 
give us your heavenly perspective. Let us see things the way that you do. God, let us us see things rightly. Let us remember where history is going. Let us remember the way that you love us, the way that you're good. And Lord, let, let let us be anchored in that reality for all of our days. Just pray it. Say, God, set my mind on eternity. Set my mind on what really matters. Give me grace, God, that I could stand firm. Give me grace that nothing would move me, whether it be crazy persecution in the future or just the deceitfulness of wealth and the cares of life now. Lord, give me grace that nothing would move me. Give us grace, God, that we could always give ourselves fully to your work. That we could give ourselves fully to partnering with you to bring your kingdom on the earth, to share the gospel with the lost and to make disciples, to walk as your friends and your partners now. God, give us grace that we could always give ourselves fully to that and that we would remember that our labor in you is not in vain. Let us remember that, Lord, that our labor in you is not in vain. None of it is forgotten. 